Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to the Bradley Wiggins Show by Eurosport. Welcome back, everyone. <laughs> welcome back, Brad. Uh, from home, we're, we're isolating, aren't we? We're all in isolation. We're all in isolation. No. I am Graham Wilgos, as ever. So we should say uh, Eurosport, the home of cycling in association with Lacquer Bicycle Insurance. Brad, who are we joined by this week? Well, we've got Adam Blythe with us from a very funny-looking garden. It is beautiful up here, mate. Costa del yeah. North. Costa del North. Welcome back to the show. How are you? The last time we saw you, you were uh, a few a few rosés in in Harrogate. Yeah, I've just cracked open a strongbow, uh, dark fruit. I'm all right, yeah. I'm just, um, I'm not going to say enjoy being at home, because it's horrible when you're told to stay indoors or in one place, really. But the weather's nice, so yeah, it's not, could be worse, it could be worse. Brad, we should also just say a word about the drop-in quality of this week's podcast. We're doing all we can at Eurosport to bring you the Bradley Wiggins Show um, at this difficult time for everybody. Um, so you're at home, uh, Adam is at home, I'm recording from home as well. Um, so please do bear with us um, and thank you for your understanding. Um, Brad, what have you been doing this week? Take, take us into because obviously last week we were able to record from the same oh, Where do I start? Where do I start? What have we been doing this week? Well, I planned a trip this week from the living room to the bedroom. That was quite a good week away. Um, <laughs> um, but you've also, been, you've also been out and about, haven't you? Well, and look, to be honest, I think... Um, you know, we can all mess around. It's whatever you make of it, isn't it? But um, everyone's moaning about toilet roll and queuing up at Waitrose and things like that. I mean, if that's the worst thing you've got to worry about, then you're doing well, really. So I've always been quite active in homeless charities and stuff. And then a lot of the um, a lot of soup kitchens and things like that are shut due to the virus because obviously they're voluntary, voluntary roles and people can't come in and work. So just simple things, really, like whatever meal we make, just take, take it out and try and help one or two people. It's not about conquering the world, but there's always someone very close by who um, will be suffering just as much as the rest of us, you know. So uh, you don't want to meddle for it, like I said, during the week. It's just we'll try and help each other in this period. You know, everyone's got family members that are old or whatever that are somewhere. Um, and obviously some people are at more risk than others. But you always try and think, you know, you always think of it for your, own, for your own position and how bad things are. But some people are always worse off, aren't they? Hey, good on you. Adam? Give us a give us a little favour of, of what it's like being uh, isolated with with three little kids. Um, yeah, quite difficult. There's no way easy way of putting it, really, is it? It's just three kids at home, mate. The little girls have got a bit of a cough. Jude's got a cough. My missus, we spoke about this earlier. I think she's got the virus. She's like properly, properly suffering. Bless her. Um, so yeah, it's just difficult, mate. There's not, but like, there's nothing you can do. We spoke to like the NHS and stuff, and all they say is that you've got a you can either rest in hospital or rest at home. So mm. it's a tough one, mate. But, you know, we're, we're blessed that we've had some friends drop food off. We've got everything we need. So, um, 
we're all right. It could be a lot, lot worse. Like Brad says, I could be homeless on the street. So that'd be, yeah, that'd be difficult. And you've, you've got your, your cider and sunshine, so you're doing all right. Got cider and sunshine. <laughs> you look like you're suffering, Adam. <laughs> having a terrible time. Vitamin, apparently, vitamin D is good for this coronavirus, isn't it? Is it? I, 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 hadn't, I hadn't read apparently, that. Apparently. Uh, it, 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 it can't do you any harm. Um, Before, I don't know if this is being recorded. I put a t-shirt. I had to put this t-shirt on, so it's topless, and no one wants to see that. I look like Brad last year, just a bit big. Well, so, so, <laughs> so for our listeners, you've actually you've actually toned it down from last year. To be fair, I think. Uh, oh well, there you go then. Most, most Adam, people... you're officially heavier than me at the moment. That's for sure. Yeah, probably am. To be fair, mate. Well, chaps. So the uh, the headlines. Not a side, but cycling is very much a footnote to everything else that's going on in the world at the moment. But we are here to talk a little about the Peloton too. So I want to start us off, Adam, with one of your old teammates, um, Belgium's Harm van Hook, um, who was out training in, in Flanders uh, over the past couple of days when a man in a black van uh, got out and, and attacked him. So his message that he posted on Facebook. Brad, I don't know if you've seen this as well, but I haven't, no. his, uh, his message reads reads like this. Uh, so he says, it's a message he would rather not post, but around midday he was riding uh, in, in Albeca uh, and was forced off the road by a black van. A man in his 40s or 50s and heavily built got aggressive when Harm asked him to keep his distance. After this, after saying this, he got out and punched, um, punched Harm in the face. So he's, he goes on to say, this is anything but normal in these times of coronavirus. Mm. If anyone knows anything, um, or if anyone knows this person, sorry, please send me a message. Yeah. On top of, so riders sort of being heckled, professional riders, I mean, being heckled in Spain and, and, and the same in France, when if you've got the right, um, basically, if you've got a, a note, you're, you're allowed to, the right paperwork, you're allowed to go out and do it. I mean, Adam, he's an old teammate of yours. What do we make of this? This is, this is uh, the, the world doesn't get any less crazy, does it? Was that due to the coronavirus? Was that because he was out and he was... Yes. You know, so that's, that's his feeling, yeah. Right, right. But it's completely opposite of what the bloke should have done then, shouldn't he? Instead of just like giving a load of like, abuse at arm's length, they went and smacked him. Keeping his distance, yeah. It's keeping it, it's like the opposite, but it doesn't help anyone, does it? I mean, it's just making the situation worse. But the poor bloke, I know they don't know when they're going to keep racing, but if racing goes ahead in six weeks' time again, the bloke's got to keep fit. So you can't just sit in his garage all day. Well, you, you can if you're some people, but you can't sit in your garage all day. He's got to go out and just do some training, you know? It's hard for him. You can't win, can you? No. No. Brad, what do you make of this one? It's, um, yeah, I mean, everyone gets sort of pissed off. I think a lot of it's about um, naivety, isn't it? And people panic in these situations. And, you know, it's a bit like the supermarkets here, isn't it? Everyone's queuing up for, you know, five in the morning and we've got police there. And I think a lot of it's just about information and people knowing what's going on. And, you know, like if this guy's attacked him because he feels he shouldn't be out and he should be isolating, he's on his bike, then um, it's just anger and aggression. I think I've looked through people, like lack of guidelines of what to do really. But I don't know. This is how society works, doesn't it? People panic and tend to panic and panic by and things like that. We don't all pull together really, but it's a crazy time, isn't it? I mean, it really is. I mean, we're, we're worried about, I mean, yesterday should have been Sam Remo, shouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, I think we should have all been talking about that yeah. really. And no I one could have Caleb been... Ewan, um... Caleb Ewan almost did 300k, didn't he, on the home train yesterday? Jesus Christ. Yeah, got 100k in and then just got off those. People have been doing some, people have been doing some crazy, crazy long rides as well, but we, we'll come to that. Adam, you mentioned it there, like you, some people can do it, just get on the turbo trainer and sit and sit in the garage for sort of six hours, but that's going to get pretty, uh, pretty difficult pretty quickly, just from a mental point of view, if, if nothing else. Yeah, I think classically, like people, Brad, you'd have been able to do it, wouldn't you? 
if you had to? Well, I don't know, you know, because I think a lot of it is knowing all that sort You're of stuff. Mentally, you were like mentally good, though, weren't you? Very yeah. strong in your head. Yeah, but I would be able to do it. You always had a bigger picture as to where to come back to. With yeah. this, there's no end in sight, is there? We don't know when the season's going to pick up again. We don't. At this rate, the tour, I can't see the Tour de France going ahead. Can anyone? I mean, no, not at this rate. So, what are we training for? What What would you be training for? And you know, you do. If it's okay, if you've got a broken collarbone or something, you can sort of see an end in sight. And you know, when you're going to come back to racing. But with this, are they training for the World Championships in October at this stage? Well, so this is it. I mean, so, if you're know. a if you're a pro now, what do you do? How do you treat this period? Do you treat it as off season? Do you keep yourself ticking over? Do you treat it as like okay, I've got the goal of being back for uh, for June? So at the moment, all races until the end of May are called off or postponed at least. I should say. I think you've got to keep ticking. You've got to keep ticking over. I think if you try and train too hard, you can just the do pain. yourself more damage yeah. than good. So the you, you need to. Yeah. yeah, so they've just got to keep doing what they're doing, and I think they'll get a good you know couple of weeks notice before they start racing again. And two weeks if they keep ticking over is enough to like sharpen up a little bit as much as they can do, I guess. But I think a lot of guys now, they'll have, they've got the call, aren't they, saying it's six weeks till the next race. So I think what will happen is they'll just, pretty sure, just, you know, 10 days, a week off, just chill out, put your feet up, make the most of it. And not to be flippant, Adam, but did you retire a season too early? Yeah, you could just be Mate, doing... Honestly, if I was still racing now, I'd have probably won Roubaix if it were on. <laughs> Come back, no training, just got through my talent, I'd have been laughing. Brad, how, how would you deal with it? Uh, you'd have to just I think you'd make it up as, as you went along yeah. week by week especially if you were at home with your wife and kids and things like that you know you other things take over I think life takes over I mean imagine one of your family members got you've got old relatives living with you you just couldn't take the risk could you of, of going out and trying to train and bringing something back and affecting them and this is this is sort of bigger than cycling isn't it now it's become a matter of life and death and I think it's as stark as that isn't it and I think you'd have to take precautions I think obviously the team will be in communication with a lot of the riders at every point but it's unprecedented, isn't it? And I don't know how you'd handle it. I mean, it's all right doing 300k on a turbo, but you can't do that every week for four or five months, can you? Can't do that once in a lifetime, mate. No. So, um, I almost think this season's a write-off, isn't it? And um, it's probably going to come down to next year, really. It is strange when you really think about it, because we don't, don't know what's going to happen. But I think, you know, the more you think about it, Brad's hit the nail on the head, hasn't he? It probably will be the whole season would just be a write-off. Cyclocross yeah. would be massive. We currently, we I suppose we you have to treat it though at the moment as it, it could it could fire up again come the summer, so the the tour isn't necessarily uh, done done and dusted yet. Well, I don't know. I think that's all. Um, I don't think I can't see how it is. If they're talking about social distancing for anything up to a year now, aren't they? Mm-hmm. I don't see how this is going to be combated, and it must be pretty bad for the government to shut bars and clubs. Is it three months now? And they're looking at doing that. Uh, no, I can't see it. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you do the mask game. I'm sure you've got a GCSE in maths. You work it out. That's another thing, isn't it? Speaking of GCSEs, they're not on anymore. Yeah, exactly. They've all been cancelled. Yeah. Europe, European Championships has been cancelled, doesn't it, till next year at least. So My uh, local darts tournament's been cancelled as well. The only thing that is on at this stage is, of course, the Bradley Wiggins show by Eurosport. <laughs> One man, Brad, that we didn't talk about last week, Chris Froome. Yes. So he's done. A, he did his own Strada Bianchi with Dylan Van Baal. He's riding in South Africa at the moment. In yeah. a way, this is sort of playing to his advantage and to, to Big Tom Dumoulin's advantage as well. In that they are, they're almost been given. They've almost been given that extra time to to recover and to get back up to speed after uh, their relative injuries last season. So Big Tom, obviously, horrendous knee injury at the Giro d'Italia, um, and, and Froome, we all know how he got yeah. banged up. Um, 
doing a recce for the Dauphiné time trial? Yeah, I think it depends how you look at it. Someone like Chris trains very, you know, he's a master of training, so he's got the mental sort of strength to train and this will suit someone like Chris, but um, some riders need that racing to get back into it. You know, they've had long layoffs. Tom is nearly not raced for a year now, is that right? About coming up to the Giro? He, yeah, he made an appearance at the Dauphiné. Um, but it was it was sort of half-hearted, wasn't it? Someone like Tom, you can imagine, will be chewing at the bit to get back into racing of some sort. But I think it's just everyone's got to everyone's got to just kind of get through it the best they can, really. Um, like I could say it's I think, more the teams, isn't it? I think the teams now. What, what I don't know what they'll be communicating to their riders. It'll be interesting to kind of figure out what um, or, or maybe get some of the guys on the show really and think about you know what are they advising their riders to do through this this period. I think you know with it as well is you know saying it's easier to get back into it and they've got more time. The other thing is everything's closed. Don't forget. So like people like gyms and all these people that like massages. If Freeman needs physio and all that kind of stuff. He can't get it any. Well, he might be able to get it, but it's just a risk. If he's got a family, he can't get a physio around that might have contact with other people. So there is a limit to what you say. Yeah, okay, he's got more time, but he might be getting worse. He might need physio. He might need treatment every day. And if he can't get that anymore, what's he going to do? Have you spoken to any of your old mates in the peloton, Adam? You've been in touch with them because you've been doing you've been doing a little bit for for your your other projects, haven't you? And you so you've been you've been to Monaco in the past couple of weeks. Yeah, it's funny. I was down in so after that UAE outbreak, uh, I saw Caleb and those guys down there, and they he was quite angry because the team said we're going to keep racing, we're keeping in Paris. Um, so I think there's a few teams. It's not didn't take it seriously, but I think it's just like we need to commit to this. We need to keep doing it. We're a sporting nation, especially Lotto. Mm. But um. Yeah, I just there was a lot of uncertainty around of it, and they were just carrying on as normal for then. But that was during the time just before Paris Nice, so they were just training as usual, trying to pe- train for Paris Nice. But uh, when I left, yeah, the news got announced that it was going to be cancelled for six weeks. Um, so I'm pretty sure that I remember Luke was Luke Rowe was saying I saw him out there, and he was just like, "They need to cancel it all, so we know what we're doing, or tell us what race we're going to do." Because at that time, they were just saying. This might be on, that might not be on. And for a rider like Luke, he can't just like keep riding his bike thinking, might this be on, might it be not. He needs a goal to set. And if he ain't got them goals there, it just makes t- training 10 times harder. Mm. Brian, just going back to going back to you, and Adam mentioned it, you, you, were sort of, you were well capable of just cracking on on a turbo trainer and doing what needed to be done. How did you keep your morale high? Or was that even an issue for you? You just needed to focus on what you needed to focus on and that was well, that? Um, yeah, it was always part of the bigger picture, really. So... So things like that are easy to do when you've got a return date set. Um, so something like the Tour de France, for instance, when I crashed out in 2011, um, straight away within hours we decided we we're going to go for the Vuelta, and we knew we had six weeks. So that that's your motivation. Whenever you're sat on the turbo, whether it's for 100 kilometers or whatever, you know why you're doing it, and you're not going to have to do it forever. But with this, seemingly, you may there is no end date in sight. So you know you may have to do this weekly now for three, four, five months, and and that's quite hard. I, I always found those things like that easy to do when you had a, a bigger picture in sight and it was a firm date. With this, there's no firm date. So I think it's very hard to do. I don't know how I would have handled it in this situation. I may have I may have kind of used the time to do other things, really. Um, you know, I don't think your team can hammer you if you're not fit enough when there's a return date set. I think all bets are off at this stage, aren't they? Mm. Um, it's I don't know. Yeah, because I can't see how how teams can kind of 
I mean, the big thing is now, imagine riders that are in their last year contract now and they're going into next year. And this year was really important for them. Something like Cav, this was a big year for him, wasn't it? Well, it's Cav, there's Stannard as well, lives around the corner from me. He's just, I think mm. the worst thing is with it is it's not the season's cancelled, but it's just an uncertainty. So it's, if the season is cancelled, you can just say, right, done, finished. I'll just go yeah. out for two months, three months off and then go, you know, get back on my bike, do whatever I need to do just in case. But yeah. saying you might be on your back racing in seven weeks again, and that's just, you know, after, if this me now and someone said, right, you've got seven weeks till the next race, you'd be like, right, I'll have a week off, I'll mm. have a week easy, and then you get back into it. But it's still that whole, like, oh, it might be, might not be. So I just think it's, for the riders, it must be hard just to, like, you know, just go out on your bike without no aim, no focus, no goal, really. You mentioned Cav there. What do we make of his start to the season? At uh, a new team, of course, Bahrain McLaren. He looks solid at the Saudi tour and, and, and the little we saw him at the, uh, the UAE tour too. He sort of became the world's highest paid lead out man for a bit to Phil Bauhaus. <laughs> Do you know what? I was commentating on that race. And for me, when I was watching Cab, he looked very, very fit. Mm. Um, yeah. he, can, he can really hold his own on the climbs. He's going good. He's got the power. He's got the numbers. Um, but I just think he's getting, he's getting older now. So I think the sprinting, is getting harder for him. And I think he's training at doing it, but it's just getting harder to train. It's getting harder to do it. And he's just through a general age thing. And I think, you know, he's not got that zip he used to have three, four, five years ago. Mm. Um, so it is getting harder for him. But um, I definitely think with Cav, that the way he was training, the way his fitness was going, the way his weight was going, he was definitely on the right track. Um, Adam, do you think that Cav was become so attuned and so accustomed to winning that this year, I mean, we both know him quite well, was more about reinventing himself and becoming a sort of retirement cab in the next few years and recreating a, a name for himself as a lead-out man, as a helper to the sprinters? Or do you think really deep down he wanted to shine one last time and prove something? I think for sure. I think if you're a sprinter, you always want to shine one last time or one more time, whatever. If you've got an opportunity to show what you can do, you'll always take it. I think that's not just sprinters. That's anyone, climbers, time trialers, whatever it is. But I think with him is is that he's um, not publicly accepted. He's not the fastest anymore. Uh, I th still think he's clever. I still think he can win a bunch sprint. But I just think everything has to go perfectly for him. And I think he's well aware of that. Um, so I think that the experience you have got I don't think anyone else has got that within the peloton at sprinting. So he definitely can pass these things down to Bauhaus. And yeah. if he's doing that, then, you know, he might have a role after cycling. If he stops next year, we don't know with all the virus and everything. But if he stops and then took that experience into a team where he can, you know, really have massive input in lead out trains and this, that and the other, then it's going to be very valuable yeah. for teams to have that. So maybe he has accepted that, um, not that it's going to be hard, that, it, it might be coming towards the end, but I still think we've got. Um, I still think we've got got to see something from him if racing goes along. I think if yeah, racing did go along, yeah. I think we would have seen something from him. We might not see that now, though, because eh? Cam's the type of rider we were talking about before who needs a lot of racing, doesn't he? Um, and yeah. he's not the type of guy to do a cable Ewan, is he? And sit on three hundred kilometres, is he? No, exactly. Right. I think uh, you know, like I like was saying a minute ago, I think Brad, you know, if you. It's like a, a better example of current times is that it's like through me, he'll just keep riding his bike, keep trucking away. He's yeah. about next year. Cav, what's he thinking about? You know, we just don't know, but I'm, there's no disrespect to Cav, but he's not as mentally yeah. strong as through me is in that aspect. Well, he's just a different animal. No, I isn't think he? he is. 
I think he is, Cav. He's definitely as mentally strong, that's for sure. But it's a different time of mental strength. I think Cav would rather Cav needs a character to be in front of him to chase. Uh, without that, it's very difficult for him. He's not the type of rider to do what Rumi will be doing and talk. Yeah, that's what I meant by that. Sorry, kind of, if you're listening. No, you know, Froome will be doing those sort of five-hour rides with three 30-minute blocks at a certain power, at a certain RPM, whereas Cav would rather be out behind the motorbike and smashing himself in the rain, wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Brad, you've spoken to him, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, I spoke to him a few times. Um, the only thing that he was really disappointed about at the moment is he's, he hasn't been selected for the Olympic Games and he feels he's been flicked for that quite heavily. Um He's done. He, he qualified the spot, and somehow they've managed to work it into a position where they haven't picked him when he outrightly. Do you, do you understand anything about that, Adam? Yeah, I think with it is it's just British cycling. Of um, it's not put the foot down really, but I think you know, I think times have changed, and I think Cav definitely could have medaled at the Olympics. But I think British cycling wants to make a stand and say, look, we're not having this anymore. We're not having road riders coming back in like we used to. And I think, like I said, Cav definitely could have medaled there, and if not won, but they need to make, right, we're doing a track programme. If you want to be part of this programme, you want to do the Olympics, you have to do this. There's no road and maybe this anymore. I think it's just, if you're going to do the Olympics, you dial into doing this fully or you mm. won't be doing it. So I think, sadly for Cav, um, I think that's more the way it's gone, um, which I get from both angles. I think for Cav, as we all know, could have, could have medaled there, done a good ride. But um, for British cycling to to have someone not in the system all the time and then just jump in for a month before and then do well, it, it's not a great advert for the British cycling system as such. Do you, do you think that's fair or do you think that's, do you think that exceptions should have been made for Cav, really? Uh, I think the exception should have been made for him, to be honest. I think, I you do. know, he's he's medalled at so many Olympics now. He's been so close and I think... Not, not so many know, Olympics, just the one, Adam. Sorry, one. Twice? Didn't he medal with you? No, 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 no. Oh, sorry, just the one. Sorry, Cav. Um, but yeah, I think with it, he's just, he definitely could have done a ride and he's definitely as capable as the other riders on that programme. Um, yeah. He's just looking at the the future and the bigger picture, really. Brad, why would you have sent him to Tokyo? He's tried and tested. And I think if you think about having big players at the Olympic Games, Cav would have been the team captain, wouldn't he, of that squad? And can you imagine some of those younger riders that are there, even if he's not one of the teams, just having Cav around yeah. at the age of that now. I mean, it's like, you remember years ago when they, there was argument about whether to send David Beckham to the Olympics or the World Cup and that, just their presence, some of those people sometimes is enough. And obviously you've got Ed Clancy in that team pursuit squad, but to have someone like Cav around, it's, um, I think it would have been valuable to the whole squad, really. Even the, you know, the women and princes and that, just having Cav in those apartments. Um, you just think it would lift everyone? Well, it shouldn't be underestimated, that's for sure. I mean, he's Mark Cavendish. He's one of the biggest names in cycling, isn't he? So Greatest of all time at sprinting, isn't he? And we, we're talking about the, for Tokyo, we're talking about the Omnium or the Madison? Madison. Both. Well, I don't know. I don't know. They've been both, would it, Adam? I think so, yeah. If you can do the Madison, you can do the Omnium. And I think, yeah, there's a lot of similarities in the training for it. So... I think it would have been on the cards for both. And I know that the, it's limited, isn't it, to the riders you can take there. And that's why I was stamping the foot down a little bit, saying, oh, we can only take five of this and one of this. So I definitely think yeah. if he was doing the Omnium, he'd have been doing the, the Madison. Mm. How's he feeling about it, Brad? Um, he's pretty pissed off. Um, I think he, um, he always feels like he's got something to prove, Kevin. He feels like he's been fighting the tide for, for many years since, his, since he started with British cycling, really. And I think he's always felt that he's had something to prove and that he doesn't 
come as a natural selection than maybe the likes of me in the past, you know, easily selected, or maybe they would twist um, certain parameters and rules to accept me or the likes of Steve Cummins and people like that. And I think he feels that he's always never had that kind of benefit, really, that he's always had to come in the hard way. And he's always put it down to the fact that team pursuers were always given priority. And I think that's, that's I would say that's quite true, really. He's got a point there, hasn't he, Adam, that it was always a difficult entry into it, passed his way into that squad, wasn't it? Yeah. I think it was always medal-driven, the, the selection process. Yeah. And there was fewer risks in taking a team complete squad where you know the numbers, know the times, it can do almost down to like the tenth of a second. Um, whereas an Omnium, you know, or a Madison, you can crash in the first lap and that can be a race over. Yeah. And if British cycling are getting funding from people, that's it. Brad, that was never a question for you. So obviously 2012 different because it was just uh, you, you were parlaying, well, three time trials in, at the Tour into, into one big time trial at the Olympics. But for 2008, yeah, for example, then, it wasn't, uh, look, you've got to focus on one thing or the other. There was no, there was no difficulty there. No, no. Um, I mean, even 2012, they didn't decide. I did no track all season. They didn't decide till three days before the team pursuit after I won the time trial. That I, I was there was a chance I would still ride the team pursuit as well after 2012, after four years no. away from the track. Yeah. Really? And, um, yeah. And Shane yeah, said, like after that. The I don't think we should run you now. Because G actually got sick as well um, in the run-up to 2012. And I think I was, there was still some talk of me being fifth man. They could name me in that squad because I was part of the road squad. If you remember, it was oh, about yeah, numbers yeah, yeah. of the road and the track. So I, I could cross over quite easy without anything because they didn't take a fifth man for the team pursuit that year. Or, or they may no, they didn't. I don't think they may have taken tenant or someone. But I could come in as a six man because I was already in the road squad. Bloody so. hell! And then just God, imagine if you'd have done that, mate. Well, while we're away for however long that is, you can find a retrospective series on the most compelling, the most controversial, and the most extraordinary riders and races in cycling history on Eurosport's Recycle podcast feed. Just search for Recycle by Eurosport on your podcast platform of choice. Adam, I wanted to come back to you actually because we, we sort of we mentioned Cav and, and how he's done so far this season or what we the little we've seen of this season. What did you make of Paris Nice? Because obviously that was the, the big talking point from last weekend for us. Um, yeah. But so we so we mentioned Tom Dumoulin as well, and and obviously he's gone from Sunweb to. I think that uh, team there they had Tispanu, and if you've got a guy in that condition, that lifts the whole team. They've almost got mm. a job to do. You know, going into the race, everyone was super fit. Bling was fit. Tish was fit. Um, Soren, is it Soren Crag? He won the time so, trial as Soren well. Soren Anderson, yeah, stage four time trial. Um, so I think all those guys, yeah, they're obviously on flying form. And if they've got a job to do for one man for the GC, it makes your makes your tour a lot easier because they know they can deliver it. Mm. Where if it was the opposite way around, you know, they're going, oh, we've got to ride for Tom. We're not sure about that. He might not be well. It sort of demoralised a bit. Um, but I think that team, they just had, you know, they had a massive boost in morale and, it's fairly easy for him just to go outside and give it a good nudge, really. Brad, if you're Tom Dumoulin now, are you, are you looking at are you looking over at Sunweb thinking, ah, oh, did I did I make the jump across too soon? Did I make the right decision? Given that you're you're alongside Primoz Roglic, no, I don't. Winner of winner of the Vuelta. I mean, he knew that when he went to that team. Um, I would I would you know most most elite athletes are quite insecure and constantly weigh up their position and worry about it. But I mean, you think of it from those other big hitters in that team that are looking and going, you know, wait till Tom Dumoulin comes back and gets fit you know then what's going to happen and we're not able to race at the moment and these are our opportunities to, to sort of stamp our leadership on, on the road 
Whereas all that's mm. happening now, like you said earlier, is it's giving the likes of Chris Froome and Tom Dumoulin more time to get fitter. So by the time we do start racing again, there's, there's no hierarchy in terms of who's had the best season. So I actually think um, you look at it from some will be worried, of course. But then, of course, the other guys will be worried because there's no opportunity to show or put the stamp down. I mean, early this season, you'd have expected, I mean, last year, um, you know, Rodlich has won most of the early season races, didn't he? So it was clear when we got to the Giro who that team leader was. But now mm. all bets are off. And when we start again, Tom, you hope, will be back to somewhere fighting fit to where he was before. Chaps, indulge us. So let's let's pretend, or let's let's say the Tour de France goes ahead as planned, right? Mm. Who do we who do we fancy for it in a in a in a sort of fantasy league Tour de France? Who are we who would we be looking at if uh, if by a minor miracle everything was everything was to go ahead as planned, every team was to turn up, everyone fit? Who would we be looking at for the twenty twenty Tour de France? I reckon same as this year. Egan Bernal. I reckon yeah. G. You'd have G trying to prove he's the best, but Egan, um, and then everyone's just on Ineos's coattails, aren't they, really? Yeah, I would say G will train really well through this period. This this suits him quite well. Mm. Um, the, the, I mean, I'm not sure too sure of the, the state of affairs in somewhere like Colombia with this virus, but I imagine Egan's out there and he's able to do more training and, and, and potentially local racing than we are here in Europe. Is that right? Or are they on lockdown there? Well, Quintana and uh, Igita, when they returned from Paris Nice, they had to go straight into quarantine for fourteen days. Right, right. So, so they they are they are facing restrictions. Whether they're facing yeah. the same restrictions, so I, it, I, it, I don't imagine so. It's who handles this situation best? And Egan will be good, of course. But I think G. I mean, Adam will know G. G's a bit of a machine, and I actually think G will turn up in good as bet, a better condition for the tour than if he was racing. He's that type of guy who can who can turn yeah. out. I think with G, it's the unpredictableness of racing in it, and he's no offense to G, but he does crash every now and again. Um, but I think you know, in training, it's a lot more control for him. He can get the best out of himself. He's he's not one of these riders that can push himself harder in racing. I think I think he can push himself equally as hard in training. Yeah, so I think he, he'll definitely be able to, uh, as Brad said, get a lot out of himself. Here's one yeah. for you on G. So he said on his own podcast, he's been training hard, but he's he's also sort of reflecting on that, said, what's the f***ing point? Well, yeah, there is I mean, first of all, the language, yeah. get right, it's terrible. Oh, f- <laughs> it, <okay>. um, <laughs> <laughs> the least of our worries at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, um, I think, yeah, it is that case of what's the point, but that's that's the mindset you've got to try and avoid at this stage because that's what keeps you going. And, you know, G is the type of rider that he, he he will always see that bigger picture. He's either on or off G, isn't he? So if he yeah, knows he's when he's a, when yeah. he's off, he's properly off, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. So that that's the difficulty for someone like him. Whereas Chris Froome, he's got he's already got a um, he's already got a plan in the sense that he was coming back and he's got to continue more for his health than anything else to get back to the level he was at before. Whereas G's now just going to simmer along because G was going quite well early season, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, I think with G as well, you know, is that. What he portrays in the media is not quite what he is. He seems so relaxed and so chilled out in the media, but actually he's very—he's not uptight, but he's very professional. So yeah, I think when he's yeah. saying, you know, oh, you know, all this training, but f- it, what's it for? Yeah. Say he probably said that and then gone out and done five hours straight after it. Potentially, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that's the thing with G is that his his character allows him to be a lot more relaxed and look a lot more chilled than mm-hmm. he is in. 
yeah. almost a lot. It's a lot more relatable, isn't it? Him saying that is it just relates to a lot more people out there, but he'll still probably be yeah. out doing the same amount of work he did before. Yeah. So come on then, I'm going to push you to give us a 2020 Tour de France podium. So number one, Geraint. Yes, mate. Brad's going G. Geraint yeah, as well. Rollich second. And Not big Tom. No, Rollich second and um, Thibaut Pinot. I reckon I'll get third. Nice. Okay, we'll be back with more from the Bradley Wiggins show right after this. Insurance where you pay for a service you haven't had yet? It sounds crazy. Lacquer don't make any money until their job is done, and that's getting you back on the bike. Lacquer is a community of cyclists who all chip in to keep everyone rolling. Traditional insurers make more money if they don't settle claims. Lacquer think that sucks, so they do things differently. Lacquer's five-star Google reviews are a testament to their community way of doing insurance. Find out more about Lacquer's community-powered insurance and save £10 using the code WIGGINS at lacquer.co.uk. That's laka.co.uk. Right, good. Welcome back to the Bradley Wiggins Show uh, by Eurosport, sponsored by Alaka Bicycle Insurance. Brad, going to come straight back to you because you've been quite impressed by what Zwift are doing. And in fact, British Cycling and Zwift have been doing. So yeah. uh, in the last couple of days, British Cycling has announced they've launched an eight-week series of virtual races and workouts. Um, so they, they are, in effect, encouraging people to stay active when, as we've, you know, as we've, we've gone over at length, you cannot leave or you, you shouldn't really be leaving your house too much. So um 24 events over the next two months on uh online yeah and i think um obviously in a, in this adversity of this time a company like zwift are now going to benefit from it not necessarily financially so they should because they've created it but you know in order to keep the cycling world moving which i think is fantastic and it just shows you what a great tool it is um i did mention to matt stevens last week whether there's any of do you reckon that we'd ever come to a time where we may see a one-day race like the Tour of Flanders, Amstel Gold and that, run on Zwift for the day. I mean, it would be quite something, wouldn't it? Um, I think it will, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they did do the prologue last year, didn't they? In the Giro, there was a, a virtual yeah, prologue it, yeah. last year. Yeah. It'd be difficult to envisage a three-week tour like that, but certainly a one-day race we could potentially have, couldn't we? I think there's loads of things you can do, you know. It's just a one-day race, but making it more... You know, just actually, just like the Watopia lap or whatever it is, just get a proper race on it, get all the pros on it. Mm. and just get them doing it. You know, if the UCI want to keep racing going, so ultimately, don't forget, with all this, teams have got chucking money into it. If John yeah. from one team, Robert, is not getting any publicity out of it because the team's not doing the tour, how is he going to get publicity out of it? So it's, it's worth well, yeah. saying as well, the races are only 30 minutes long too. So it is, it's, it's sort of something that's open to everybody. And you can, you can also race against um, some of the Great Britain track cycling team. Yeah, yeah. Brad, are you going to get on there? No. no those days are over. <laughs> Um, and a much more one for getting out. But in terms of uh, as a as a commentator on the sport now, I think I can see how that. I, I was always against it if um, we're, it's taking away from actually doing it in real time. But with the current state of affairs, which is unprecedented, it has its place certainly. Mm. I think now more than ever, yeah. Mm. And you're almost at a stage where you can't get hold of a turbo trainer for love nor money now. Really, I'm, I'm really right? popular. Probably a lot, so, Graham. I haven't actually tried to get hold of one. <laughs> well, now you know. So I were, I'm an ambassador for Madison Genesis, as a little plug, and they were saying that they're all sold out of trainers, like none left, and they're the importers of elite turbo trainers, and they have none left in stock, mm. gone. 
So it shows yeah. how massive it is getting. People are starting to plan ahead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> Mitch and Scott have been have been at the forefront of, of sort of pushing the the tour of Watopia and, and and pushing the sort of the virtual cycling option because they were they were the, the, one of the first to get their act together when races started dropping and and and, and teams started going. Oh, I don't know if it's such a good idea that we should be racing. So do we could we foresee, for example? Paris Roubaix raced virtually this year. Come so if if the race hasn't happened and doesn't look like happening come October. Yeah, uh, it's too much. I think that's too much of a classic. Yeah, you can never it replicate Roubaix. It's just yeah, no, no. a virtual Strada Bianchi. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what we could have. I reckon we could have a Strada, uh, a, um, a virtual World Championship, virtual World World Championship. Yeah, I could see that. I think... I think that, and just, you know, just make their own races up. I don't think we need to, like, try and replicate stuff. It doesn't need to be, if this wants to carry on into the future and they want to keep doing it on Zwift especially, they need to think of it other than, right, instead of doing, let's do a Strada Bianchi coffee, let's just call it, uh, you know, the 14th of June or whatever, whenever this date's going to be on. Just think of the name for it and then make it a championship on that date. Imaginative title. Yeah, exactly. John's Ride. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? I think if they try and copy stuff, it's just not going to work. Yeah. Mm. Have you been doing it yourself, Adam? Are you a virtual rider? Uh, I, I I am a little bit. I've not been doing it recently just because of the kids and that. And it's for me, it's important to get the kids out now while I can. So I was just, I've just been out on my bike today with my little boy, Jude. Just getting him on the, um, on the little seat behind me. And we just went for a cruise around a couple of hours just down some some country lanes on this um, on the gravel bike. So it's... It's nice to do that, but I think get him, uh, get him, get Jude to sing a song and make it better. Yeah, exactly. It's funny. We've got my son's called Jude, and um, my daughter's called Lila. One of my daughters, two Oasis songs, isn't it? Yeah, one hey, of them was a Beatles. Hey, Lila, that's the one. No, one of them was a Beatles song, hasn't it? All right. I tell you, you've listened to music before. Well done. <laughs> uh, Brad, what have you poured yourself there? A glass of wine. <laughs> in, a, in a goblet. It's Sunday, isn't it? But um, no, there's no Sunday roast anymore. We can't go and get a Sunday roast. So can't even buy potatoes in the supermarket. It's, it's Honestly, bad. right? We've got a co-op around the corner and the only thing that's left is crisps. And it's like ideal for me, but not for anyone else. Love crisps. Mm. But mm. it's mental. I went to the shop the other day. You know, the worst thing with all this, you can't help but panic yourself. I'm not one of these mm. idiots that goes and buys like 25 rolls of toilet roll. When you see it in there, you think, God, if, if there's like two left, do I pick one up or do I pick two up? And you start to question it. I said this to you earlier, Adam. The, so supermarket around the corner from me, the queuing policy, one in, one out. Is that Whole Foods? Whole Foods, is it? It's M&S. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to tell the truth. <laughs> uh, so it's not an Aldi or a Lidl. It's the Whole Foods. Look, other, other options are available. So... In the same way that the on the self service checkout that the the little bell goes off when you when you buy an alcohol you're buying uh, Lemsip, paracetamol, whatever else. For, bought four loo roll, four pack of loo roll, and uh, and the little bell went off and the the girl had to come over and go, yeah, it's, it's just just got one there, you're all good. But yeah, crazy crazy times. And to think yeah. over the years that we berated the French for having B days. We always thought they were for washing your shoes in. Yeah, you could do with one it's of them mental. now. I just use my hands and then wash them because it kills two birds with one stone. <laughs> That's very good planning. Uh, I've stopped. I've gone from five sheets to two. The luxury of five sheets, eh? Yeah, well, yeah. Luxury not, five sheets, and that was four ply. Now I'm down to two ply, so that was all that was available. 
Do you remember the uh, the toilet rolls in school that were like tracing paper? Oh yeah, I remember that. <laughs> Horrific. The, the, those, Horrific those, days. those days will be back soon. Yeah. All right, chaps. That brings us to the end of this episode of the Bradley Wiggins Show by Eurosport. Thanks to our sponsor, Lacquer Bicycle Insurance. Brad, thanks as ever for your wisdom. That's not a problem. That's what I'm here for. Anytime. You can find Brad on social media at... Sir Wiggo. Sir Wiggo, doing all sorts of good deeds. Plus, you can follow Eurosport on Twitter at Eurosport underscore UK. And you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. Adam, it's been a pleasure to have you back. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, where can we follow you on social, seeing you out and about on your, your bike with Jude? Adam Blythe, 89. We should also say a big thank you to our producer, Pete Burton. Podcast Pete. Pete podcast Pete, the man with the golden plan. Uh, and finally from me, Graham Wilgos, it's goodbye. If you've enjoyed the show, please do subscribe, share your thoughts and rate us on your podcast platform of choice. Uh, Brad, Adam, thanks for coming. Pleasure to have your company. Thanks, thanks for uh, thanks for thanks for calling in. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Thanks for coming. Just to mention as well, chaps, we don't currently know when we will be back with another episode. Um, but what we can say is that the Bradley Wiggins show will return. Until it does, stay safe out there and look after each other. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.